Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Greg Wells, and this is my podcast. I'm a scientist, a physiologist, an author, and I love exploring how to live a high-performance life. In my books, my presentations, and this podcast, I am doing my best to translate hard science and powerful experiences into actionable, effective life performance strategies. Using the latest research on the brain and the body, this podcast will show you simple but transformative strategies that boost mental and physical health, advance careers, and upgrade lives. I am committed to changing one life at a time for the better. I want to focus on health, happiness, and performance, and I call my mission the billion person problem. And I don't kid myself that I'm going to reach a billion people, but that's the dream and the space where my passion, my expertise, and my practices all come together. My passion is to help people live healthier and more impactful lives. My expertise lies in the research that I both try to conduct and engage in for a living. And my practice is devoted to providing evidence-based insights and strategies that make it possible to achieve personal and professional success. And that is what this podcast is all about. I hope that you love the show and it makes a big difference in your life. Let me know what you think on Twitter at Dr. Greg Wells. And without any further delays, let's dive into this episode of the Dr. Greg Wells podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's great to be with you. Very excited. We just broke the top 100 podcasts on iTunes in the health section. So I'm pretty fired up about that. Things are going great. Thank you for listening. It's awesome that you're here. This week, we have an incredible interview with uh, someone that I grew up tracking and idolizing. It's Silken Lauman. She's an Olympic rower uh, and author. And her story is unbelievable. And I think you're going to love this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit more about Silken Lauman. From broken bones and shredded muscle to Olympic glory, Silken's story is one of courage, perseverance, and the triumph of the human spirit. In May of 1992, just 10 weeks before the Olympic Games in Barcelona, which I was fortunate enough to go to with CTV, so I saw all of this happening very early on in my life, Silken was injured in a brutal rowing accident that left her right leg shattered and deeply injured. She was reigning world champion in single skulls rowing. And after her doctor saw the injury, she was told that she might never row again. 27 days, five operations, and countless hours of grueling rehab later, she was back in her rowing shell and began to pursue her Olympic dream all over again. When the starter's pistol rang out on August 2nd, 1992, Silken made the greatest comeback in Canadian sports history and one of the greatest comebacks in all of sports history, winning a bronze medal at the Olympics and ultimately capturing the hearts of millions of people. Now, while she retired from rowing in 1999 with three Olympic medals, she has continued to inspire people, encourage people to dream, live in the moment and embrace failure as a stepping stone to progress. And she has now launched a new initiative called We Are Unsinkable, which is gathering stories from people who have overcome obstacles in their lives and sharing those to help other people become inspired and have a roadmap to how to get better. 
So I'm really excited about having Silken on the show. We basically do a review of her entire sporting history, uh, learn a lot about the challenges that she faced after the Olympics were over and ultimately landing in this incredible new initiative that she's launching that we're all really, really excited to support. So you can check her out on all of her social media, which are listed at her website, silkenlauman.com, and also at weareunsinkable.com, which we talk about a lot in this show. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this conversation with Olympic medalist and humanitarian Silken Lauman. So it's so good to connect with you. Um, I, I actually had the incredible chance to go hang out in Barcelona for a few weeks at the Olympics. Uh, I didn't make the team. All my friends did. So I went with CTV and had an absolute <laughs> blast. And uh, I actually remember very clearly you coming into the studio where I was working and chatting. So it's it's pretty crazy how far things have come from that moment to where we are now. Well, you probably had more fun in Barcelona than I did. I guarantee, <laughs> it was, I guarantee it was you that I did. a pressure cooker for me. And, um, certainly uh, kind of hard to get around with a, um, you know, shattered leg. I was still using a cane, believe it or not, um, when, I, when I was in Barcelona. Um, yeah, and it's just, you know, it's been... It's it's been a transformation for me, and I feel like my life has had all these connected chapters. And you know, I've been very fortunate in my life. I've always followed my heart. Um, I've never had a business plan. <laughs> I I've kind of just followed my interests and what I feel called to do. And so far, so good. Um, things have things have worked out well. That's really exciting. Would you? Mind going back to the beginning, I think it would, you know, for the five people listening who don't know the story in and around the Olympics, they're probably wondering, wait a second, you were at the Olympics, you were in a cane. How does all that work? Can you take us yeah. through that story? Because it's uh, obviously Yeah, and so then, believe me, there's more than five people that don't know because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting older now. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, the, the cold notes of it was that in 1992, I was the world champion, um, the, the world cup champion. My goal was to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal. But 10 weeks before the Olympic Games, I was actually hit by a boat in, uh, in a regatta in Germany. And my boat was wooden, and it shattered and drove 200 pieces of wood into my lower right leg, literally shredding the muscle and the skin, breaking the ankle, nicking the tendon and the nerve. And the, the, the injury was so serious that the doctor kind of shook his head and said, like, you're not going to the Olympics, and you're like, you may never row competitively again. Ten weeks later, tons of operations and... Um, physiotherapy and all that stuff later I was actually at the Olympics and I won a bronze medal please take me through the preparation on that day so what did that look like in terms of getting yourself through what must have been an unbelievably painful experience dealing with the doubt uh the actual race itself and then how it felt afterwards overcoming that obstacle well, I mean, I think I think my whole recovery was a mind over matter situation, right? Where, like, looking back on it now, you know, twenty seven years later, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, even even with what I know about how strong our minds are, but it, from a physiological point of view, it doesn't make sense, right? And 
getting into those Olympics, I think I, because I was the world champion, because I was so focused and, you know, as an athlete, as you get closer to a competition, your world really does narrow and you live and breathe your sport and you live and breathe that thing that you're going to do. I've always had an incredible power to focus. So, you know, I think, you know, you take most athletes focus and amplify it. And then that's the kind of focus I have, <laughs> I have, right. And so, um, even in the days after my accident, I believe that somehow I could go to the Olympics and it was sort of like this, this dog with a bone, right? Like I was not willing to let go of the idea that, that I was going to go and, and, and get there saying that. I mean, there were so many times in those 10 weeks where I didn't really think it was possible, like, because I look at my leg and I had this big open wound and I had to have a skin graft. Um, so I had a skin taken from my upper leg and put down on my lower leg. That's not very much time to heal from a, from a skin graft. I still had, you know, a seeping leg. I mean, even at the Olympics, I had places in my scar that hadn't completely healed. And, um, you know, so like there's this sort of logic, like you look at the leg and I was still walking with a cane three weeks before the Olympics. I was still using crutches. Um, and, and there's like this disconnect. But I think the fact that I was so focused on this one thing that I wanted to do that had literally been something that I dreamed about since I was a little girl was going to the Olympics and winning a medal, that power of that really, you know, you talked about, well, did I have moments of doubt? I mean, I had moments of doubt all the time, but I think I, I, I was able to just push them aside pretty quickly because like my will to do this. Um, was so strong and then you know when I actually got to the Olympics um, I mean I was just in this bubble I was in the in in this like I'm going to do this no matter what and you know there was a ton of media around me and uh, there was a ton of disbelief in what I was doing and I don't even think my competitors probably took me that seriously in the beginning Um, but there was also this other world quality like I was at the Olympics, but if you asked me to remember what my room looked like or what the course looked like, or I I don't really remember anything. I just was that focused on, you know, the internal process of believing I could do it. Wow. So there's so many questions about that, but the, the idea that you can focus so much on that belief that's founded in something that you've been thinking about your entire life. That's what enabled you to overcome the fact that your doctor told you you're never going to uh, row again. And in a very short period of time, overcoming that obstacle, that's, that's a pretty cool mental, a pretty cool example of how powerful mindset can be in the, in the face of an unbelievable, what most people would consider to be a totally insurmountable challenge. I mean, I think it gave me the foundation of the belief that I have today, which is that the mind trumps everything. Mm. The mind trumps the body. That you know, the, the the mind trumps the will. Like even like your just sort of your will to do something and any obstacle on your path. Like I really think um, the mind is so powerful; it leads the body. And you've had times in your life when I mean that would be an example of you doing something that is extremely positive when it comes to overcoming obstacles, but there's also times in your life when you've struggled with 
mindset. Is that, am, am I, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think I've always had, um, uh, you know, overactive uh, amount of self-doubt. And some of that, you know, came from childhood experiences and, um, you know, maybe certainly early in my life, um, not that deep sense of self-worth that I have today. And so I was the kind of athlete, uh, was ca- kind of person that was always questioning themselves and didn't have that self-confidence as an athlete. And that, to a certain extent, it developed over time because physically I proved to myself over and over again I could do it. And so that built my self-confidence. Um, but I, I think it made me very aware of the power of doubt and fear and how devastating that effect can be in our lives. Um, and there's also been, um, throughout my life, um, I, I have struggled with depression and, uh, and anxiety. I'm not sure how much is anxiety and how much is depression. I still try to figure that out, I guess, in, in, in my life. Um, but I actually wasn't aware of it for a long, long time. I didn't really understand what I was dealing with till much later in life. What was it that triggered you beginning to explore that? Like how did, and I'm sure people are probably stunned. And for, for the record, I think it's incredible that we're actually talking about this because so many people struggle and don't talk about it. It's an invisible epidemic that we, we, we stigmatize and we don't speak about and we're afraid to speak about it. So the fact that we're talking about doubt, fear, depression, anxiety makes me so happy um, yeah, but I, I think that it's incredible that, that you were able to come to a realization that this was actually happening and, we, and you needed to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as an athlete, well, first of all, you got to take back to take into consideration that that's literally with over 20 years ago when people really weren't talking very openly um, about depression. And to me, like, you know, depression was like, oh, that person who's in bed and they can't do anything. And I mean, here I'm like a highly ambitious, highly driven highly successful in the things that I do, you know, and so it didn't like, it just didn't feel like it, it matched me, right? Um, but I, but now we know so much more about um, people who um, struggle with mental illness and are always struggling towards mental health, which honestly, I think is something that everybody um, uh, does, you know, everybody's looking to be mentally healthier, nobody's 100% mentally healthy, uh, certainly nobody is 100% mentally ill as well, so like all that awareness was not there um, 20 odd years ago, I was high, high strung, um, you know, I think uh, because of childhood trauma, uh, I you know, it had internalized a lot of things. Um, I I'd internalized a lot of anger. Um, that, like I said, I think that there was deeply that, that you know, that not that sense of um, self-worth that came a lot later. And so your question is like, when did I start to notice? I mean, I think it was like when I was raising my kids. And this is actually true for a lot of, a lot of parents. Um, parenting puts um, a load, an unimaginable load <laughs> on you, unimaginable before you have kids, right? And um, it really does demand um, resources that you may never, I, I certainly never had to draw on before. And suddenly I had like a four and a two-year-old and, you know, they were persistent children, just like their mom and just like their dad and like not easy kids, um, they, you know, very strong humans. And I found like myself feeling these 
moments like I was just going to lose it. And I would feel so much. It was like anger. It was like rage. And and it scared me. And, and I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, I've got this great life. I've got these amazing kids. Like, what is going on? And that was like the first inkling. And it, and, and it led to sort of a meltdown um, where I realized, like, this isn't normal. Like, and, and I think that was like the first time that I was like, yeah, this actually isn't normal. I, I, I think I felt shame about how I was feeling before I felt... Like I had so many secrets, you know, I'd struggled with eating disorder. Um, that, that struggle continued into my 20s and even my 30s. Um, I had a lot of self-destructive thoughts. But I think it was that moment of like thinking, my God, I'm going to hurt my kids. Like I'm going to lose it. Um, that I finally reached out for help. How did you do that? Because that's a moment that I think is important for people because I think a lot of us struggle. And it's at those moments when you are with your kids, when you say, I mean, I'm, I have two little ones and I'm not proud of some of the moments and some of the thoughts that have gone through my head when you're exhausted, you're tired, you're stressed, you're, you know, I, both Judith and I have walked out of the house at different times uh, out, of, out of necessity. But that moment when you actually make the call for help is an interesting one. And I'm interested, I'm interested because I think that's something that, so many of us need to do and doing it in the moment when you're in crisis is the hardest time to actually make that happen. So uh, I'd love any of your thoughts in and around that because it's, that's, that's the moment when you have to do that. Some people manage to make that call, but unfortunately a lot of people don't. So I'm curious about what happened to you in that moment to enable you to do that. Yeah. I think I could speak about the moment. I can also speak now from the perspective of like having, you know, gone to therapy and like, you know, dealt with a lot of the issues, the underlying issues. Like, so, you know, I had a good friend, very close friend who'd had um, her own, her own journey and needed to reach out for a counselor and go into counseling. And, and she had, you know, she had shared with me a few times about her counselor and that I should reach out, you know, and like, you didn't have to do this alone. And, and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and so I reached out when I was in this moment where I was had this, this moment of clarity, I guess, you know, of like, wow, I don't think I'm okay. <laughs> this does not feel okay. Um, and I reached out to that friend, and then that friend reached out to the counselor, right? So it was like pretty direct link. And I was just so fortunate, right, because not everybody, like, people think, oh, maybe I should go see a counselor. I don't like, what do you do? Like open the phone book? Well, you know, maybe like, like yeah. <laughs> Google it. Um, you, you know, I found lots of people just by Googling. Right. Um, but that, 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 that having that friend who'd had the experience. And I mean, I think this is where I'm such a big proponent of talking about it and sharing the stories and sharing what works and like share, share and, and sharing what's helpful and hopeful because, you're right. So many people are struggling. And I think I was just like embarrassed, you know, like, oh my God, like I'm, I go and speak to thousands of people. I make good money doing what I'm doing, inspiring, encouraging people. And I'm saying that all is not rosy, you know, and like, what does that, who does that make me? And I think like, who am I to give advice if I'm struggling myself? But then of course, I think, now, with the wisdom of having been through counseling, I re- really actually believe that healthy people, some of the healthiest people in the world, are the people who regularly seek out 
um, counselors and support to gain greater self-awareness and to heal the wounds all of us have. Um, some of us have had childhood trauma, like I have, and stuff has happened as a kid that shouldn't happen to kids. Um, but I think everybody's got something that they need to unwind and that it's a healthy, progressive um, decision to go and sort out some of your internal stuff so that you can be better. Yeah, and that's not an easy uh, – that's the hard work of our lives, right, is trying to figure out what makes us tick and what motivates us and what makes us angry and – you know, that exactly. Like I wasn't thinking that 28 years ago, I thought you had to be pretty messed up to go to counseling yeah. and that, you know, it was going to be embarrassing and what it was I going to say. And like, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you, you, you go to a good counselor and you start talking, you realize, well, like, I don't know everything and I don't actually have a perspective on myself. That's even sort of objective. <laughs> yeah, totally. And are you, is it, is it hopeful for you? You mentioned hope, and I love that word, helpful and hopeful, I think the way that you put it. Is it, I, I see so many athletes now uh, and, and business people actually openly talking about the fact that their uh, mental health goes up and down. Uh, there are moments when things are great, moments when things are, are difficult, and so many people have struggled with keeping, uh, optimizing their mental health or, or moments when their mental health wasn't very good. But so many people are now talking about that publicly, which I think is really cool. Uh, what's your take on all of that? And have you, have you heard or seen anything that's particularly helpful and, and hopeful? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that what's really um, helpful and hopeful is our, the foundation of the new initiative that I've launched, which is a, a website, which I know you know about called We Are Unsinkable. And it's a story sharing site where we invite Canadians to share our stories of what they've overcome. And the whole idea is that people are amazing. <laughs> and the things that our, our neighbors, our friends, our heroes have struggled through and emerged on the other side and actually have some really practical um, perspectives. So that is, to me, that, that is very helpful. I think, like, when it comes to this conversation that so many of us are having about mental health a lot of us are sort of still in the mental illness mindset so like they're thinking mental health is the same as mental illness and I I think in the mental health uh, mindset which to me is that we all have uh, you know we all have a mental <laughs> a mind a soul a spirit like that we all have one and that it, that has to be healthy and Sometimes we'll have a bona fide illness, like a chemical imbalance that causes us to be ill. And sometimes that's triggered. It starts because of way too much adrenaline. Maybe we're going through um, major stress, loss of a parent, um, you know, looking after elderly parents, um, the loss of a child. I mean, there's people that on, on We Are Unthinkable that share the stories of losing a child. Well, who wouldn't be mentally ill after losing a child? That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and then there's other people who their whole life, they, their liver doesn't create, you know, you know excrete enough serotonin, and that sucks. And it means that they're not as happy as, uh, as the person next to them, right? And so they may need some chemical help 
to reach a more, um, you know, even keel. They'll still need to talk. They'll still need to journal. They'll still need to take care of themselves, right? And so I'm learning, and I'm still learning, and I want to continue to learn about how to be more mentally healthy because, like, you know, this isn't, this isn't, for me, it's not about making my depression go away necessarily. Um, I feel like I just want to feel my best self as often as possible. And it does, like, I've learned a lot of things over the years about how much to load myself stress-wise, how to cope with this big life that I lead. I mean, I have four kids. I have a daughter with autism. I have a business. I'm very involved in the community. I write books. I speak. I travel. It's a big life. And I want to continue to have that big life. And in order to do it, I also have to really know how to take care and how to take care of myself. And a lot of the the stories that are being shared on Unsinkable, We Are Unsinkable, is really like how people kind of got happy, you know, how they got through something that's almost unimaginable, like the loss of a child. And, and sometimes it's things that might surprise you, like doing a marathon, <laughs> um, learning how to meditate, um, creating a charity or a, um, you know, a reason to keep going. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the most important things I've learned in doing these interviews uh, on this podcast is I got the chance to interview Dr. Bill Howitt, who's a psychologist, and he had a really interesting insight that there's mental illness and there's mental health just like there's physical illness and physical health. And that spans a massive spectrum. And that on any given day, you're going to experience, any given day, any given week, any given month, any given year, you will experience a fairly significant range in your physical health. You know that. You get sick sometimes, you get better. You feel amazing some days. You feel tired other days. And that exact same principle applies to our mental health. Yet we think that it's black and white, you're either sick or you're healthy. It's not like that at all. It's a massive range through which we move as part of our human experience. And the goal, as it is with our physical health, is to be as healthy as you can, understanding that life happens. Your yeah, thought, yeah. And it, on that? yeah, I love that. I, lo- I, I love that uh, insight because, like, I think about just today, right? So I've just come back from you know, a very challenging week of not getting a lot of sleep and doing early morning interviews and traveling to the next city. So I'm physically tired, right? And so I've been very intentional about going to bed early and, you know, having a nap in the afternoon, trying to catch up on my physical side, but also recognize, wow, I'm I'm a little bit mentally tired too. And this morning, you know, <laughs> I had uh, a, a call from, my credit card company saying my bank card had been frauded and I could feel my stress levels rising and my impatience with the bank person, you know, rising. And it's now like, Ooh, tuning into that. Oh, what can I do? Oh, I can, I can breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm not breathing. You know, I can just take a second, get off the phone for a minute, walk outside, get some fresh air just for like two, three minutes. I can change my mental state. So just like, we're paying attention to our physical state. Man, I'm really tired. I need a coffee right now to wake up. I, I, I need to not have coffee because I'm feeling anxious. You know, so we're kind of like, you know, t- 
meditating into your physical, but you know, there's also that mental component. Oh, how am I doing mentally? Oh, I am feeling angry. I'm feeling anxious. What can I do about it? And the more that we understand, and, and I think like for me, that was also like a big part of wanting to have people share their stories is because we are learning from each other. And I think young people come to the idea, like they might have had an experience of having very high anxiety and actually have a diagnosis of like suffering from anxiety. And it can be very like defining for them. And I think what they need to understand is, well, anxiety can be very situational. There could be like, okay, you're, you're in grade 11. You're trying to figure out what university you have. You've got your best friend is acting really weird. A whole bunch of things that happened. Your boyfriend just broke up with you. And all of a sudden you're swinging between anxiety and depression that could be situational. It doesn't have to be forever. And most experiences in mental illness actually are not forever. They are situational. Interesting. What are you doing right now to optimize your own physical health, mental health? And I ask partially because I'm curious, like you speak, you write books, you travel, you have a business, you have a family. It's pretty much a mirror image of, of my life. Um, and I'm always trying to pick people's brains. Like, how do you actually do this? Well, how do you fit in the workouts? How do you fit in the family time? Like, what are you doing? Are there any things? Is there anything that you're doing that you think is having a really good effect right now that you think other people mm -hmm. could benefit from? Yeah, I, yeah, that's great. A great question because um, I, I think there's a couple things I'd say. One is like drop the idea that it's all oh, ever going to be perfect because it's not. It's always you know, like your ideal is always this kind of moving target. And the idea that we think we're going to reach some, you know, place of balance is really misguided. I think what I like to think of is it's balanced over time. <laughs> so over time, you will get enough workouts in. Over time, you will get enough time with your kids. You might not get enough time with your kids today because your working day just overflowed and you know you put your kids to that and that was it uh, you might not get your workout in tomorrow which is kind of frustrating but over time you're still getting three or four workouts a week over time you're having these pockets of um, quality time with your children you're mostly able to be there when they come home from school so I think just letting number one letting go of the idea of like it being balanced all the time because that's not going to happen to busy people. It just doesn't, right? And and we can really cause ourselves a lot of pain by thinking that it should. I've got a couple things that really make a difference in my life. Um, I get up early and um, I spend an hour by myself first thing in the morning. And I usually meditate um, and journal. Those are, those are two quiet activities that I like to do by myself before the chaos of the day starts. And I just find that really grounding again. Doesn't happen every day. Uh, happens most days. Um, and I, I, I just, you know, after I do my meditation, I go to the, the kitchen table and I just write. Yeah. And it's like I'm downloading everything I'm worried about. Like it's called, it, it, it's not my idea. It's Julie Cameron's Morning Pages. Um, and from The Artist's Way, um, her book that she, she has created. And this is like, 30 years old, um, something called morning pages where you just dump your everything on the page first thing in the morning and it clears your brain for the rest of the day. And you just, you literally wrote down all the things, stupid things that you're worried about or thinking about. But also sometimes like you write down some really cool things and you're like, wow, ooh, I'm really working out this uh, idea as I write in the morning. 
Very cool. Can you explain your meditation practice a little bit? Like, do you use an app, or how are you? How are you? Yeah, that? I used to use Insight Timer. Um, I, I I basically follow my breath because I do um, I do pranayama, so I kind of alternate. I'll do pranayama, which is a breath practice in yoga, where you're very intentional about where you're pulling your breath in from and out. Um, but most of the time, I actually just sit uh, on uh, uh, on a um, a meditation pillow um, facing outside. I start with my eyes open and then um, after a few minutes I close my eyes and I just follow my breath for 20 minutes and I never thought that you know I'd be able to do that but I think like the following the breath focuses me on something and you know whenever a thought comes in which of course it does when you meditate you know I just go back to the breath. Um, sometimes I'll focus on you know just um, noticing sounds, um, but not being attached to them. Uh, so just that kind of awareness of like, you know, the birds singing, the cat meowing, you know, the dog's tail thumping, like whatever it is, is around me, but like, I won't continue those thoughts. I'll just notice. And that'll be my meditation is just noticing. Um, but mostly I would say it's following the breath. Very cool. If you were to send a message back to yourself in Barcelona, what would you say to yourself? In Barcelona. Um, like, let's say the race is over. You've gone out with all your friends. You're sitting around the next day, sort of, you know, decompressing a little bit. You receive a message from the future. It's you. Would, yeah. Would you probably say, would have told myself to enjoy it more and yeah. decompress. Like, I think I never gave myself a break, mm. you know. I never knew how to stop driving. I didn't learn to stop driving until I was in my 40s. Wow. And I'm just very fortunate that I have a very, very strong body and that I never got super, super ill with the way that I was pushing myself. Most people I know that are as driven um, as I am by the time they're in their 40s or 50s have an immune disease or something like chronic because you just, there's a physiological cost of, you know, constantly having that inability to really relax and decompress. Interesting. The body doesn't like it. Yeah. Uh, just look at the number of people right now who have probably not taken a vacation in the last five years. I think a lot of people would probably resonate pretty deeply with that inability to turn things off. I know I certainly do. Well, it's really hard. You know, it's, it's hard for those people that are in structured jobs and, you know, that are just struggling for that little bit of time. And, you know, they might be listening right now going, yeah, well, great. You're kind of like the captain of your own ship. And it's true. It, I am the captain of my own ship, but I was also my own worst enemy. Like I always work more than 40 hours a week. I've mm -hmm. never not worked 40 hours a week. Right. And, but, but I think it's harder when you have less flexibility in your day. And a lot of people are just, are just trying to keep their head above water. And for those people, I'd say like, take those, Take those moments, like be really intentional about how you spend your time, how you wake up in the morning. Don't pick up your phone first thing in the morning and go on social. Take that first half hour in the morning to breathe, to do something that's just going to nourish your body. You know, take that 10 minutes to call a friend in the middle of the day uh, just to kind of connect and keep your heart open. It, it, little things can really add up. Awesome. I asked you a question sort of looking back and I guess my, my next and almost final question is, 
looking forward. So you've got, we are unsinkable. What's your vision for this? And where are you taking things? What, what do you see the future looking like for you? Yeah, I'm super proud of um, our site. We are unsinkable. It's um, a site that many, many people have co-created. So, you know, it was my vision. It was certainly um, my drive that sort of brought it um, into fruition. But I had like people that bought into the idea from the start. And really, like when we were asking people to contribute their personal stories to our site, our site didn't even exist. So people like Margaret Trudeau and Mark Tewksbury and, um, you know, the, 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 the individuals who like whose names might not be immediately recognizable. I mean, these are people that told their stories, gave us our, their stories to share without ever, you know, knowing what the site was going to look like and who, who was going to be on it. So I, I feel very indebted, um, to those people and really respect, uh, because mo- mo- most of those, individuals that are on the site, they've shared their story with the idea that like their journey in some ways can give other people encouragement and support. I think that, I mean, the idea behind the site is pretty simple. It's like sharing our stories have a lot of power and we, we need to be inspired by one another. Um, and we also, I believe that people with lived experience, um, through, you know, physical adversity and mental health issues, also have a lot to offer the world and a lot of the answers of what, around what works actually live in those people, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to uh, continue to build a site. I want to keep those stories diverse. Uh, how the site will develop really will depend on how people interact with it. We've got all our social channels active. Um, I envision a podcast associated um, with the We Are Unsinkable where those stories become alive through, you know, um, the, the power of sound and people hearing these individuals' voices and um, doing interviews with these amazing individuals. Um, you know, I, I, I see potentially, um, you know, at having some of the um, amazing contributors into universities across the country. Um, young people are so in need of um, encouragement and inspiration, hearing from other uh, youngish <laughs> people from um, what they've been through and how they've got through it, I think would really make a difference in their lives. So I think it can have many, many permutations in the future. Um, we've had um, over 60,000 people on our site in the last week. Uh, it's been just wild, uh, you know, gone from something that didn't exist to existing a, a week and a half ago. And uh, in the first week, the traffic has been enormous. So we know that, you know, what we didn't know when we were creating it is wasn't going to work. And we already know that, yeah, it's working because um, somehow this need is resonating with people. This this site is resonating with people. Yeah. And throughout all human history, stories have been how we've communicated and shared knowledge and insights. So the fact that you're now being able to do this to 60,000 people with, if you, if you just envision that I was in a yeah. concert once with 80,000, that's a lot of people. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. A lot of, it's a lot of people. And it's like, you know, um, you know, the, we are unsinkable almost is becoming a rallying cry. Like we, we can do this and we want to change the dialogue around mental health, especially right. So that it's not them and us. It's like, yeah, Everybody has mental health, and let's start not only talking about it, but let's start looking for solutions. Let's look at how we can support each other. Let's look how 
you know, even advocacy so that we get more access to services across the country because our mental health, you know, what, what we haven't studied enough is the profound connection between our mental health and our physical health. So why wouldn't our healthcare system want to invest more heavily? Because a lot of what we see is physical health problems are actually mental health problems. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had so many people who have gotten in touch with me and I've spoken to who have had, for example, their child in university struggling with mental health and there's minimal, if any, resources available to them. And if there are resources, there's a waiting list, which if you're in a mental health crisis is not a good situation. So the advocacy yeah, it's like piece the emergency is massive. room becomes the mental health strategy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, that's going to work out really well, and we're seeing the effect of we're seeing the effect of that. And it's uh, there's definitely a better way, and I think that the connection between mind and body is only becoming more obvious and clear to people, which is which is great because I'm a physiologist, so I love approaching you know holistic human health through the body, and I think that if we can also do that through the mind and emotions and spirit and other you know aspect, other strategies, I think that we'll all end up in a very different place as a as a country and hopefully as the world as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. How can people get more information? How can they learn about this? How can they get involved? Uh, where would you like people to go to check things out? Um, I think the first stop is to go to We Are Unsinkable. Um, all our social handles um, are there, all of the connections. Um, to follow us, you know, to, to, to follow us on social, both on um, Instagram and on Facebook, Twitter, um, and, and sharing our stories. Like, so if you see a story that, you know, you think a friend would like to see or that you found inspiring, tell us, then we know, and we can start to understand more what kind of stories people want to hear, what they need to hear. And, you know, the, the success of We Are Unsinkable is very much going to be, um, you know, how people interact with it, uh, how often they're, they're sharing, who's reading it, all of these things will help us continue to provide quality content. And, you know, we don't really know how it's all going to shake down in the 10 years, whether, you know, some of the, whether some of the stories will um, create patterns that we start to see that will also um, help people if we're studying them. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, but I know like my vision is that, you know, people find the content hopeful and helpful. And because they find it helpful and hopeful, they share it with others. Amazing. I'm sure they will. Silken, I know you're busy. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I'm super sure. inspired. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your stories and also this amazing new initiative. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Silken is absolutely amazing. I'm so fired up that we had a chance to get her on the show and support her new initiative. Once again, if you want to check her out, she is at Silken Lauman, L-A-U-M-A-N-N.com. And her new website is weareunsinkable.com, where you can go and check out some of the amazing stories from people that have come overcome some unbelievable ob obstacles in their lives and gone on to become successful in a whole bunch of different ways. So thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with as many people as you can. We really appreciate it. And if you liked it, a review on iTunes would be absolutely off the charts. Amazing. Fantastic. Thanks so much. We'll see you again next week. Have a great one and we'll talk to you again soon.